0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Straight Up, the pop culture podcast that lifts the lid on the crazy world of celebrity culture, hosted by journalists me,
1: Ellie, and Kathleen in front of me. Hey babe. Hey my love. How are you other than obviously incredibly excited to debrief on all things Beckham today? I
0: know I was having to resist what's happening you all weekend when I was lying in bed watching it. I
1: am buzzing. I can't wait. I am literally a David and Victoria superfan. Did you know that? I did know that you were a Victoria superfan. Yep. I Not so much anymore, I have to say, but they were like my number one childhood celebrity. Like David was my childhood celebrity crush. Oh my God, I didn't know that. And Victoria was just like my icon. Like I read both their autobiographies in the early 2000s. I had posters of David Beckham on my wall. Oh my God, so you are the I perfect was person
0: to be talking about the Beckhams today. Before we get into the Beck's. No, they're not called the Becks, are they? <laughs> you tell know how little I was across it. Beckham and Victoria. Um, how was your weekend? I noticed the good. cutest little picture of a table setting. Oh my God, I know. Although, on so
1: not giving the tablescape of influencing dreams that I'm always hoping for. And yeah, did a little Greek menu, which was quite handy with what the weather. What did you cook? Unseasonably mad weather. It was insane. I did a mob like chicken girass Greek salad thing which was very nice and then also a Jamie's feta filo pie which looks really impressive but it's actually very easy and it basically went down amazingly however we ate half of it went into the other room and we came back in I very stupidly had just not been thinking straight Arthur, the dog had got on the table and dragged it down and eaten the entire pie well, you the half that was joking. left. I know. I'm sorry, but your pets are actually terrors. I know, but the thing is, it's so normal for a dog to do that. Like my friend Mel was like, "You need to like discipline him." I'm like leaving a dog unattended next to a cheese pie no, yeah, is always fair. going to end in one way see I always try and make my
0: cat Nino try and have like a bit of salmon or a bit of chicken and he refuses to have anything nice which
1: He's, is so weird because obviously as you know my cat is genuinely a terror she screams in our faces like 24 7 and oh my god in fact you know what she did last night no you know I hate her because she tried to
0: savage me last time I
1: yeah so her she she's actually been really good recently I'm like really loving her again um, we've had a fellow plugged in so <laughs> I oh really helped. and for anyone that doesn't know it's like a weird cat calming plug that you can get and anyway we my friend Rachel kindly bought over a little lemon drizzle cake on Saturday which we didn't eat Why very not? yummy because we already had a dessert so the cat last night I'd left the cake on the side it was all in the box hadn't touched it came in this morning and Marlon's like oh god the cat's been sick and I'm like, what? So it's like 7am. I'm just like rolling into the bathroom. And he's like, yeah, the cat's been sick all over the floor. Like in the kitchen. And, and she'd eaten the she'd lemon drizzle. And she broken into the lemon drizzle and licked all of the icing off the top. And been sick. And then been sick You all are all constantly
0: getting pillaged by your own pets.
1: I know, I know. I mean, I tell you what, people with actual real children will hate me for saying this. And I may be cancelled, but I do feel like it's good prep for when I eventually do have children Oh, yeah. In all the penes throwing and, sick it, and, and everything off that bloody I've dealt mashed with. potato at your face getting in your hair
0: lacewing tomato sauce <laughs> around Marlon <laughs> <This> is- <laughs> it sounds terrible um yeah so that was my weekend okay how was yours i met some old school friends that i haven't seen for a very long time uh, one in fact that I had literally haven't seen in about a decade cute and they were all like oh my god cathars I was like it's so funny hearing oh you god. being I know and I was like
1: yes my poor. nickname which
0: I hate <laughs> listeners <laughs> yes. can
1: I just let you all know Sorry. I know I do actually quite love it because I know it comes with endearment so
0: I know but, you, but I don't want
1: anyone like as I had to say to you at the beginning of the podcast <laughs> if you keep calling me this on air everyone's going to think that cathars is like my actual nickname and okay, that let I let like it, to be officially referred to it, as yeah, yeah, but it's too
0: late these are three girls were calling you cathars well, thanks a
1: lot, Han. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, but it's cute. Better than Kath, no? Well, no. Well, this is the, the change-up. Kath's always been, like, as in, it's not, I wouldn't refer to myself as Kath, but Kath's always been what, like, all my friends would call me. Oh, shit, sorry. It's and like then, that- no, but you started calling me that like, when we worked together. You then very quickly started calling me Kath. And then suddenly, next thing I know, like, <laughs> half our bosses were calling me Kath. Sorry. I think that people think that Kath, for me, is like Katie for a Catherine. Yes. And it's not. It's like me calling you Elle. Well, my nickname at
0: GQ was somewhat worse.
1: Balls. Balls. Eleanor Balls. Eleanor
0: Balls. Balls. Yeah, so they didn't call me Eleanor Balls. They just called me Balls. And every time they sent me an email, it was BALLS in all caps. It was quite an apt name though, I have to say. (laughs) Because I was always chundering around. Not chundering.
1: Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Chundering around the office. Sorry. Charging. Charging. Yes, you were always like a thousand miles an hour racing around. But a wrecking ball. I actually... Yes, a wrecking (laughs) ball, which is more what the reference was wasn't it but to me what I love about it is that it's Eleanor's got some serious balls yes you do I do you're a
0: brave honey or as we like to say these days in a post-feminist world an eight-inch clitoris
1: yes that's Um, based on your uh, as we all like to say (laughs) that well-known reference to the obscure (laughs) hyena I think it was that you mentioned from your feminist zoologist (laughs) I was listening properly, I'm sure yes, the other honeys were. were as well. Look, um,
0: all listeners... It was of- a few
1: episodes ago, by the way, guys, sorry if that wasn't clear. <laughs> it
0: was, but I would like us all to now start saying she's got some serious 8-inch clit. I just don't think I can say that. But I, don't, I, I can't even say the word clitoris without feeling uncomfortable. So my friend Cleo, who I seem to mention every other episode of some reason, sorry. <Do you> actually- <laughs> so, we actually. At, at school I always used to call her clit. So, but yeah, like, but that's such an inappropriate, like, I know thing for like, so like 14 yell, year olds. I'd yell down the corridor, like, Clit! Um, In which, your all girls school. Yes. But she was called Cleo. But yeah, I know I have a habit of giving very inappropriate, unwelcome nicknames to everyone. So um actually there was one girl at uni who was called katrina she was scottish and everyone called her cat for some oh, reason yes. i was like i'm gonna be like a rebel and call her Treen. And i tried to make everyone call her Treen for a while but she's like stop oh my that. god a few people have tried to do that with me with lean or
1: Leany. No. Well, I'm like, no Please. yeah because it's instead of cat oh my god i wish yes. really like that yeah lean no but it doesn't suit you do you know my first ever email address was catthecool.hotmail.com <gasps> hopefully I won't get any do you know my well, also a know it themed one as in, but it was like cat, as in Kathleen.
0: Sorry, yeah. yes, not like cat, as, as in K A T cat. Oh, okay, fine. Yes, mine Kat was cool, cute kitty seven oh two, and my mum was like, "It's a prostitute's email," oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "What? I don't even know what that is."
1: I know. I feel like we all had those very questionable emails back in the day. I
0: would like us to quickly, before we get rolling on Beckham, little pun there that I didn't mean. Oh, use, very. Um, nice. Can we just reference one of the Huns' recommendations, Wilderness
1: on yes, Amazon Prime? Yes, thank you, honey. So <laughs> we have a, that. We have a for and against. Yes. I loved the listeners' reco. Very much enjoyed Wilderness. So if you don't know, Wilderness is the new series on Amazon Prime starring Jenna Coleman. And who's the chap? The chap is Oliver Jackson Cohen. Oh. Well, yeah. Definitely like him. I think he was good. I wouldn't say... Okay. Would you like me to give Hang me... Hang on. You haven't said what it's about. Yes. Oh, yes. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> Chaos over here. So it stars jenna coleman and
0: oliver jackson something (laughs) and oliver
1: jackson cohen (laughs) as a newly married couple who have moved to new york because of his job so they're british she's welsh i have to say her questionable welsh accent jenna coleman's that really threw me off it wasn't actually questionable in fact in the end was it yes
0: so and a welshman actually wrote a piece of telegraph saying actually the Welsh that we're used to hearing on TV is a valleys Welsh. That's why we're much more familiar ah, with that type of Welsh. But okay. Jenna Coleman's Welsh is a posh Welsh,
1: right? Well, I have to say, my Welsh family, like obviously some of them do have accents, but like my my granny's Welsh and she doesn't have an accent um, at all. But she's from like the borderlands, so it's where uh, it's right where Wales is like right next to England. Did, did so she used people to have there? One? No, I just mean people from that part of Wales, like the borderlands, don't uh, tend to have accents. Interesting. Montgomery is oh. where my. Great grandparents are from and how cute and Welsh is this? Again, I'm allowed to say this because I am Welsh. God, sorry, so another gran- grand. Oh god, I know, going right on about the grandparents. <laughs> um both my great granny and my great granddad's surname was Jones. So when they got married, my great granny didn't have to change her name. That is actually ideal. Isn't it? Obviously they weren't related, just to be clear. Oh, Jones is a very popular Jones is a very popular surname in Wales. <laughs> There's no incest there. They did not, however, do what Ollie Locke, former star of Made in Chelsea, did, which I had to mention when I saw they launched their podcast Nearly Dads, because I was like, that is a terrible name, and it's nearly as bad as Ollie Locke and his husband's name since getting married. He happened to be called Gareth Locke, and they are now both together the Locke Locks. No, that is That's just much. ridiculous, and it's Locke with an E, like it's spelt the same way, so it's just double barrel Lock. They thought they were being funny there. Yeah, but it's just ridiculous. Why? Would... And now their children both have Lock Locke as their surname as well. <laughs> stupid That's
0: ridiculous. absolutely
1: ridiculous you have the same name make the most of it
0: yes I mean also what is ridiculous was Jenna Coleman trying to be a journalist in that in that oh film. yes I and forgot that she was meant to be a journalist and it's like why are you making her journalist? non-thought-through storyline yeah. oh and a journalist who just happens to get a visa to work in New York and then like doesn't need to do actually any work and just yes. writes a book yes she wasn't working
1: was she she just went She's meant to be, yeah, taking time to write her book, but she's actually there just to support him and his career.
0: Yes. Doesn't really sound like something a journalist would so do. So guys, it's
1: one of those like psychosexual thriller vibes, isn't it? In yeah. terms of it's, it's murdery, it's mystery. He's philandering.
0: All the, all the good, good stuff. stuff. It's revenge drama. Exactly that. But, so not only did the journalist thing annoy me, uh, because the other thing that annoyed me was that she just kept being like, I'm going to write my book and then would sit down and just like immediately start writing as if like, any person writing a book isn't actually consumed with like self-loathing and like doesn't know what to sprite and it just seems so easy for her where
1: are our planning notes for god's sake literally and <laughs> i actually
0: um screenshotted the bit where they show the opening first paragraph of her stupid book
1: oh fun oh is this when they were like trying to be kind of meta and you were like is the book going to be about this entire experience yes but do you want to know
0: what it actually says go on then And I'm like, come on, a TV writer will have written this. Like, it could have been a bit better. Okay, it was. It turned out there was no good way to start. Just one dead end after the other. On making this realisation, Alice felt better and just did. She wouldn't have to show anyone or even tell anyone what she was writing. No, this could be something for one person. So it's just a mad stream of consciousness, essentially. About writing, Um, is she Alice in the show yes Uh, uh, L uh, sorry A L Y S got it and then the other annoying trope that couldn't I couldn't deal with was why every time that a woman feels unhinged or is crying or has any bad news they immediately go and fill up a massive wine glass and then often drop the glass break it and start picking up this didn't happen but start picking up shards of the glass oh does that happen yes it happened think, in black, what does that happen in it happened in black mirror in the werewolf episode oh yeah um and I was like I know this is gonna happen she's gonna like cut her hand and be like ah. I thought it was just more obvious to
1: have her like smoking in bed and crying, and but who smokes and in... who has done that? It was very like scorned woman. Like, I totally agree with Swinging you. Swigging the Jack Daniels and, like, by the bonfire, getting all his clothes together <laughs> yeah. to like burn them and stuff. It was very tropey. I absolutely you hear you what? on that. I do know a girl that burned her ex's clothes because it was my friend. Yes, I know someone who like threw the clothes out the top window, like to them in the street. These tropes are tropes for a reason. as I, I often know away with stereotypes, but. I will say, I do hear you. It's definitely not a memorable show that's breaking new ground. It's like a very fun, yes, easy watch. Like, I forgot that whole storyline about even being a writer.
0: Oh, really? Yes.
1: <laughs> yes. I, guess I just completely hadn't kind of thought about that. Job. I only thought about the murder part of it. So basically, without giving away any spoilers, the subtext is she knows he's cheated. She wants to get revenge. Is she? Isn't she going to take him out? Anyway, on to the... The Beckham dog. Oh my god! So, did you watch all four parts? So I haven't back to watched back? all. No, <gasps> you haven't watched it all. I oh my god! It all. I'm you're really missing out sorry. because literally the last episode is the best. So you're really missing is it? Out. Yeah,
0: gets oh the most god. personal. Do you know what? I got so sucked into boiling point, but conversation that's another for another day. day, another day. But um, on the Beckham's, I want to start by asking you. Kathleen. Um, Thank you. Um, when did you become obsessed with David Beckham and why? So,
1: I think I mentioned this earlier, but David Beckham was my first big, like, childhood crush, apart from Leonardo you know, DiCaprio, obviously. But, you know, they're very much in the same family. When I was even watching it, see, as in of looks. I mean, sorry, sorry that's yeah. not clear. Like, as in so typical that, like, a preteen girl would fancy them in the 90s. Do you know what I mean? The, like, boyish, blonde, boyish next door thing that they both had going on. Anyway, I was just obsessed with David. So were all the other girls in my primary school though. We all loved him. We all wanted to wear like number seven football shirts and the David Beckham boots and stuff. Yeah. We even had a girls football team in year six. And that was partly because we all loved David Beckham. Yeah. Oh my God. So um, was that the school taught you football, you had to do a breakaway, like, was it... As in, like, there was obviously always boys' teams, and I think we all got together, and we were like, we want to do a girls' team oh as well. Oh my god, that's so cool that you did that. Yeah, and so we had a girls' team. It was probably almost around the time of Benedict Beckham. I think Benedict Beckham came out when I was in secondary school, so even after that. But he genuinely did get, like, young women interested in football. It was the Manchester United heyday, like, it was very much... I mean, it still even is now. Kids know about football, don't they? I just think, as you get older, you... Perhaps disengage a bit if it's not your thing. Do you think um young women were interested in Beckham as a footballer because of his relationship with Victoria? <laughs> yes, sorry. So you're absolutely right. That's why I was interested in him. And I think the documentary uh showcases that quite effectively, that she was the much bigger star when they met. Yes. He was not that famous. Like he was just like a very young, slightly like unknown footballer. She was a global pop icon. She was a huge celebrity. She very much like burnished his own star and together they became this like unstoppable force but the Spice Girls I was obsessed were you not
0: completely went over my head I think I was like two generations not two generations sorry two years too young yeah
1: because I was in reception when I was really into them and when Jerry left the band so I was obviously devo I still remember to this day being in the playground at primary school what and you are like no yeah we were all like devastated like literally (laughs) devastated that Jerry was
0: leaving so you know my first album was Atomic Kitten and then Gwen Stefani and Christina Aguilera yeah
1: I don't think I had like that album even I think I definitely would have had Wannabe on single Like, I just loved them. Like, there was no one doing girl power. There was no one else doing that at the time. As people may or may not know, the Spice Girls were like a kind of manufactured band originally. So there had been an ad put out in the papers that they'd responded to. Baby Spice didn't. There was a different It was a Simon Fuller creation, wasn't it? Yeah. And then after a... Well, do you know what? I don't think Simon Fuller actually pulled them together. Simon Fuller was the secondary manager. Right. So they had an original manager and they weren't writing any of their own material and they didn't really like what they were doing. They actually had a different name, Touch. And... Really? Yeah. And they just weren't happy with the way that they were like being manufactured after having lived together in this house, I think in Hertfordshire for about a year. And Jerry actually had the idea to call them the Spice Girls because she was like, we're all so different and we all have like the Spice and then they want, decided they wanted to write on their work on their own material as well. So Victoria talks a lot in her book and in previous interviews about how Fame the musical really inspired her. I loved Fame. My friend Millie was obsessed with Fame. We used to love that like leg warmers look, pineapple dance studio. Oh yes, and I had a pineapple.
0: Um, the pink. I had a pink one that's like with like off the yeah. shoulder. Yeah, I had. one Yeah, of those. they were all like off the shoulder. been yeah. like
1: cut and yeah with the strap over yeah so very very from a very early age i was obsessed with the spice girls obviously after jerry left it never kind of was quite the same i did go and see them in concert without jerry so i never saw them with jerry because i was just too young like you say but i did see them as a four piece how was victor i have to say one of the funniest parts of the documentary was when it
0: has the spice girls um practicing and you hear victoria belt one out and you're like ooh. Okay guys, like us, you've probably been hearing all the buzz around medicinal mushrooms recently and since we've started dabbling, we cannot believe how much of a difference they actually make to our overall mental well-being. From reducing anxiety to boosting energy naturally, it's genuinely wild. It's why we're so excited to tell you about our pop partner, London Nootropics, who make adaptogenic coffee in three very tasty different blends and for which we also have a
1: 20% discount code. So look at the show notes for that. Yeah, so as a bit of a wellness obsessive and a thoroughly anxious Annie, to be honest, I've been interested. in adaptogens for a while they're basically natural plant extracts that not only calm stress but boost the immune system turbocharge productivity mental clarity and more it might all sound like a bit of wellness woo-woo but clinical studies have proven that they really do work wonders long-time listeners as well you'll know that i've been into lion's mane mushrooms for a while but i do have to shop around quite a bit to make sure that i'm paying for quality ingredients rather than just pretty packaging now though having discovered london nootropics handy little sachets of adaptogenic coffee i just would not bother to buy anything else i trust london nootropics completely they only use extracts they're super rich in active compounds which is basically the marker of quality for adaptogens they are so trustworthy in fact that london nootropics actually display the actives in every batch of adaptogen extracts on their website well they wouldn't be
0: stars of dragon's den for nothing and we reached out to them to work with us actually because we've been desperate to tell you all about london Tropics for a while so today I want to focus on Mojo uh, because as a natural pre-workout, it's probably my most used of all the three blends. Made with cordyceps mushroom, which is known to increase aerobic capacity and oxygen flow, Mojo is all about boosting physical endurance, strength, and ATP, our energy molecule. And since I've started having a cup
1: before the gym, I've really noticed how much more energy I have for my sessions. Yeah, I've tried pre workout supplements before and they left me feeling so on edge and disgusting. It was vile. Most pre-workouts are packed with caffeine, so many artificial sweeteners, Horrible ingredients—they are just not the ones. So I was so chuffed to discover Mojo, and really surprised actually to feel noticeably invigorated after drinking. Have to say as well, I gave my friend Danny a sachet over the weekend, and she WhatsApp me yesterday to said that she had her best workout ever after drinking it. Go, Danny! We also
0: can't wait to hear what you will think of London Tropics. So head to LondonTropics.co.uk, enter the code straight up at the checkout for twenty percent off. That's straight up, all one word, no caps.
1: No, but do you want to know, fun fact, right? So when they originally auditioned for the band, as I say, following this ad in the paper, Victoria, out of all the girls, scored the highest in the performance segment because she did a cabaret number. Whereas the rest, I guess, did like pop songs. Like Victoria was like proper musical theatre vibes. Mm, so she'd gone to like the Lane Theatre School in Surrey. She really wanted to be a dancer. It's actually really sad. I remember really clearly from reading her autobiography, just how insecure she always was. So that's what was a shame about the kind of ongoing dissection and discussion of her weight over the years, because she kind of tracks like her, I guess, eating disorder back to her earliest days and being one of the larger girls at that, Dance academy and being like picked on for it terribly. Oh my god! The principal putting her in the back at the end of your show. Every which is time I read um, for the first a, person accounts coming. from like dancers, it's like always just like it's deeply awful. problematic. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I would say like my lifelong fandom of them has been going from very early and it was just a match made in heaven when they got together. Oh my God. Yeah. You were like, oh my God, a double fandom.
0: Yeah, exactly. See, I really, so the documentary has A, really endeared me to Victoria. Oh, that was my main takeaway. Victoria is yeah. a fucking icon. We stand Victoria. We, yeah. Because before I used to think, I used to read all these things about her, like her sweet, her like treat day, having like a piece of toast Salmon. with... A toast with not, not even butter what would she put on it I know the poor pets like now eating pizza for like 30 years or something and of course um you know having an eating disorder is very serious but I always thought she kind of talked about it in a kind of I was like why is this why are you even putting this out there this is unhealthy to say that that's the thing you do because she wasn't she wasn't she wasn't framing it in unhealthy behavior she was being like oh this is what i do as my treat day
1: and i was like oh my god that's really unhealthy yeah cuz she would had like literally decades of disordered eating like her whole adult life and i think a lot of that came from the way they were covered in the spice girls as well right. like let's not forget with the tabloids and i'll get into this a little bit later down the line when we talk about the affair allegations but the tabloids were so brutal in the 90s and 2000s on women and they used to comment on weight all the time so Mel C spoke about this when she went on Diary of a CEO recently she developed a terrible eating disorder after being in the Spice Girls because she was written about as Sumo Spice when she put on a bit of weight and she was actually only like a size 12 even aside of what she looked like obviously I just want to be very clear that that is incredibly oh yeah Incredibly, regardless liked, of your weight, yeah, yeah, absolutely. inappropriate and triggering. Oh my but my it gosh. literally made her ill. The constant scrutiny and absolutely. focus on her weight. And Victoria had much of the same. Like Victoria's body was policed, like absolute, like nothing else we've seen. Although I say it like that, we have we've seen them do it to Kim K and so many other women in the public eye. But like when she was pregnant, her body was commented on constantly. Whether she lost weight, whether she put it on, they used to call her skeletal spice. Like, and does she talk about this in her autobiography? So... She does talk about her disordered eating in the book. As I say, that's where I remember all the information about how it started at school. She was always really insecure about her appearance as well. Yeah. She, I remember her writing about having like sallow skin and always oh. getting bullied for her nose being like really upturned. She just really hated it. she had terrible skin as well. She had like cystic acne, acne as a teenager. So she was just a deeply, deeply insecure person about yes. how she looked. So obviously going into the limelight is probably going to make it 10 times worse. Let's face
0: it. Do you know what I should just clarify my point is that because it was 2021 that she said her treat
1: was whole grain toast with salt on it. Yeah. So now I think she's just owned the fact that we all know she has an eating disorder. If you right. know what I mean.
0: Okay, fine. Because I was a bit like, why are you, why are you promoting yeah, that as I, if it's normal? Yeah,
1: yeah. I think she knows that everyone knows because decade of decades of coverage have literally picked apart her appearance, called her anorexic, all the rest right. of it she's I guess now kind of got to a place because I've heard David even mention something about how like Victoria eats differently than like they all do in the house like it's kind yeah. of almost like accept and acknowledge now that Victoria has this incredibly regimented strict regime and diet and that's just oh. what she does and that's okay kind of thing. Yeah, if that's what makes her happy and feel secure. Then, good for her. Well, you know. if she's
0: if she's healthy, that's
1: all that matters. I exactly. Don't know.
0: I do. He does talk. I felt again. He maybe misspoke. I think it was last year when he was interviewed and he talked about how Victoria. Well, he talked about Victoria's eating habits again. And that's what I mean. It always is actually up for and I was like, oh, debate and talking common? about that. I was just like, oh God, best because he. Oh, and then he even talked about how he was really obsessed with Victoria's new curves.
1: Oh, curves. I mean, well, stretch, but. This is why I found it funny. Again, well, I shouldn't even say that. I'm actually feeling into it by commenting either way. No, you're right. But yes, to go back to your point, Victoria is the runaway star of the show, is she not?
0: She is.
1: um, And actually, she's way more... Yeah, she's way more fun than I thought she would be. She's so funny. And actually, I thought it was really interesting to see that side of her, because it reminded me of a quote that I've heard before from Mel C. Again, it wasn't on Diary of the CEO, but elsewhere she's talked about how solid as a rock Victoria and David always have been. And she said too, that Vicky is one of the funniest women on the planet. And I think until recently, we totally never saw that because we saw her as this like po-faced, posh, like it sounds really rude saying this, but I feel like, as in I don't think this, the perception of her was like, stick up the arse, miserable. Do you know what I mean? Like that was very much the narrative. Totally. Actually, she's so funny. And people saw that in the ridiculous mock mockumentary style video she did for Vogue a few years ago. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. Where she that. really like pokes fun at herself in a really like endearing way. And even like the honesty
0: of her being like, 75,000 people singing Victoria oh Likes It Up God, The Arse.
1: Oh my God. I saw Diet <laughs> Prada post a really funny like <laughs> meme about that as well. And it's oh, like, no, what's David's a... like, Victoria will kill me for saying this. No, she'll kill me if I sing it. She'll kill me if I sing it. And then it just cuts to Victoria. And she's like, Posh Vice likes to take it up the arse. Take it up the arse. Imagine 75,000 people singing that. This woman next to me couldn't ask me anything other than, do you want a polo? I loved because that. Because 75,000 people are singing Posh Vice takes it up the arse. She How didn't, embarrassing. She didn't deny it though. So funny. Like she just was so humorous wasn't she in the way that very she funny. came the across. polo thing killed me and i also thought she was very funny in the clips that every single person on the planet has a 100% seen by now because i've seen them literally 70 times already on social media in 3 days the ones of david sticking through the door going don't lie be
0: honest yeah. when she's
1: talking about her childhood when she's like my dad we were very working class yeah but i actually found that really interesting to watch because i remember her talking about the Rolls royce a lot in the book so in victoria's fairness i get why she was uh, presenting that story in the way that she did which is that her dad was definitely a, like a very hardworking self-made man they didn't come from money they were he was like in, he was in I don't know if he was an electrician or electronics engineer I don't know what the yeah. difference is and maybe there is I'm sorry I will have to check that but obviously David's family were more like obviously working class yeah his dad was a gas fitter his mum was a hairdresser but Victoria's Victoria talks a lot in her book about how the, her dad did have this Rolls Royce. Yeah, but he saved up for like decades to buy it. Again, I'm not saying that being able to buy a Rolls Royce exactly like, you know, means that you're hard done by. But he saved up for decades to buy it and would drive her to school in it because he was so obsessively proud with this car. That was like his status symbol of how far he'd come and the way he yes. was a self-made man and what he'd been able Just to I do. I did assume that when she was talking about it. Yeah, that. and I think it's a little bit like disingenuous Obviously, they were privileged, so I'm not trying to take away from that. But basically, I can see what her like. I can see why her calling her family like originally working class is not like incredibly outrageous. Yes, it was. a Props to David, though. Oh, this. it was. He so would not good. let it go.
0: Guys, for, for anyone who hasn't seen the documentary, basically, he's like, "No, what,
1: what?" Card he just did sticks your dad his head draw? out the door. Victoria's doing the interview in private in like the living room, and David just sticks his little head around the door, going, "Be honest, be honest." What car did your drive drive to school in?
0: Yeah, and then she tries to get round of it. He's like, one answer, one answer. It's very good. Um, I have to say, I really warmed to David as well. Although, and sorry, I just need to get one bitchy comment out there. His voice, I read, some, I read someone say, it's like, it's like a man on helium. See,
1: I didn't find it that bad. I think you can really notice in the documentary, as they even mention in in it at the end... He, it's gone right down. He's clearly had vocal training. Do you think? It's nowhere near as high as it was like 20 years ago. Actually,
0: you're right, because we watched so much archive footage. But it's still, it's a babyish voice. Yeah. It's a it's very it's not childlike quite voice. quite as much.
1: I thought, bitchy comments-wise, you were going to say what works he had done, because... He's clearly had quite a bit.
0: So, funny story, guys. When I um, went to meet David Beckham... Did I actually... I literally... Why was I meeting him? I literally can't remember. I
1: remember. I've of literally, course you of do. Of course I do,
0: and you don't. Yeah. Thank
1: God. Can you was, write my memoir when we're 90? I will. It was... If you pay me handsomely. Yes. It was a Hague Club thing. It was the launch of Hague Club, which is his whiskey brand. Oh, yes. And you were getting to do, like, a little right-around piece, like... You know, you were getting 15 minutes with David Beckham for an online story. What I do remember
0: is that I then obviously got a picture with him, yeah. and uploaded it to Instagram, and was confused as to how little traction it was getting. Because I was like, "It's a picture of me and David Beckham. Yes. Why oh is no God. Why is no one commenting? Oh God, I know what you're going to say. Uh, is, I know what you're going to say. Sorry. Why is no one commenting on how fucking cool that is? Right? Why well, does no one
1: care that I interviewed David Beckham?
0: And I then like asked someone about it, and they're like, "Oh." We thought you were at Madame
1: Tussauds. Yeah. <laughs> I literally remember the picture he did look like a waxwork. So his forehead was so yeah. tight and shiny. Guys, it's still
0: on my Instagram, Ellie Halls1. I can't believe everyone thought you went to Madame Tussauds. I've never
1: been to Madame Tussauds. I actually quite want to go to Madame oh Tussauds. I thought it is actually quite fun. There was a really unhinged nativity display oh. at one point of David Beckham and Victoria Beckham as Mary and Joseph with Kylie as an angel above them, like flying. What? Very strange. That sounds great. But yes. Oh, and the other thing I'll
0: mention is that, um, so it was me, we, me and another woman from the magazine took a picture with him. I said, "Oh, David's hands were roving around my back showing that picture. And then she was like, same. So we were both getting a little... Yes, I remember you saying that now. He
1: was quite comfortable with... We were like, God, he's a bit... Getting hurt. up close and personal. Yes,
0: a little back rub. Is that problematic? Well, well it doesn't exactly <laughs> shine the most uh, positive light. I mean... Maybe I won't say anything
1: more, but we can all infer what we'd like. Yes, I think we can. I, think, <laughs> I mean, I did love, and again, we'll get onto it, but I did love how cute their love story is. <gasps> I think it really prevails. Like, they, yes. they'll be married 25 years next year. And I feel like that, for me, was the narrative fed in the documentary that I enjoyed the most. I found it was very football-heavy, which I know, obviously is what football fans would want and obviously what David wants. But for me personally, I would have liked a little more on his personal life.
0: Well, I personally got the full football commentary because I watched it with Is, who's a massive Man U fan. And every two seconds, he was fucking pressing the space bar on our laptop being like, well, actually, I remember watching this game or like, oh, do you know who that player is that? And it was like, oh my God, I had like football coming out. And it was like constant pausing for him to tell me. However... I got really excited by all the football um, clips. I found it really exciting. And I'm not
1: a football fan. No. So I have to say, I, I mean, I actually remember all of that as well. Because, I mean, not that I'm a huge football fan, I'm not. But like, I'm a Man United fan. My whole family are Man United fans. Like, we're fervent Man U fans. I actually have a cute Alex Ferguson story about my granddad. <gasps> How hot did Alex Ferguson look in his youth with those blue eyes? Oh my God, eyes? I thought you were going to say recent. I'm like, babe, he's <laughs> no, literally not. like 85. Well, Alex Ferguson is such a lovely person, genuinely. My granddad used to work in the ticket office at Man United back in the day. My mum's from Manchester. She grew up in Old Trafford. My whole Mancunian family are like huge fervent supporters. My granddad was obsessed and he was very much part of the football scene from the 70s all the way into the 90s. So he saw it all completely change. He worked in the ticket office for decades and it was obviously just like one of many jobs he had. He was one of those like classic working class, like old men that had literally a thousand jobs all at the same time. But he loved his ticket office job at Man United more than any of his other jobs because it meant he got free tickets to the match to the matches and when he died suddenly Alex Ferguson uh, came to his funeral when we that's like a little old man that worked in the ticket office like there were thousands of people that worked at Old Trafford and he genuinely did create this family environment where every single person that worked at Man United felt so like important and loved and supported he was like a genuinely amazing man like as much as Cuthers
0: Alex Ferguson going to your grandmother's funeral is quite a big deal I know isn't that so cute that is really cute but I yeah know. did you not think he looked quite charming in his little blue I have always blue know eyes. I've always
1: he's so intertwined with my family law like Fergie that I've just could never oh, see he's him called like Fergie. that yeah I like I, I thought he sounded
0: great I really liked the sound of him throughout
1: yeah he comes across so well He comes across so well like Whenever footballers talk about him, whenever I've had interviews with Rio Ferdinand or anyone else, like everyone always says, the culture at Man United was like second to none, and that's why they were so successful because he created this like a culture that I think Rio Ferdinand said this. He never went into the dressing room because he so like militantly laid down the law with the culture that the players were like really well behaved always and everywhere, and they knew what was expected of them. And I thought what the documentary did quite interestingly is show this kind of. um, how David's career at Manchester United kind of fell apart once he met Victoria because he became unfocused. Yes. Yeah, you could tell he could yeah. not deal with that. Which I totally get as well, though. Can I just say, like, he'd been laser-focused on football his entire life from 12. And his mom and dad talking in the documentary about how he wasn't interested in girls, he wasn't interested in anything other than football. It was completely normal that when he meets the love of his life, he's going to have his head turned, literally. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Yeah, come on. I mean being in love you go mad you don't make the right decisions necessarily and they do not at the fact that alex ferguson did not like victoria because of this like distraction so they talk about him driving for three and a half hours to yeah. london there and back so I... a seven hour round trip to see her for 20 minutes
0: well and then i felt really sad when we'll get onto this in a moment but when the whole of britain hated him after he, the red card. After he got the red card he used to just drive down the down the motorway for like four hours and then drive back again not even to see victoria just like that's how he would cope that was really sad i remember that i have to say because i'd never seen that before i was like bloody hell it was barely a little it was like a little it was a little little flick of the foot i didn't think it was worth i mean and everyone that's interviewed for the documentary is like no it was absolutely not worth yeah Ricard- even the player himself even, uh, what's a Yeah, um a fun fact for you which you might already know beckham says on his desert island discs that i listened today it was love at first sight with
1: victoria yes i was gonna say that to you she wrote it in 2017 in an open letter to herself a vogue which is very fitting considering we were looking for examples of love at first sight recently yes and they are one he fell in love with her well no he first fancied her when he saw her in a black hat suit i think on top of the pot yeah she was on a music video he was in a hotel room uh with gary neville and he said that one there i'm gonna marry her
0: Oh, Gary Neville came
1: across very well, I thought, also. He did. I really like Gary Neville. I think he comes across brilliantly. Whenever I've had interviews with him, I really like him.
0: Um, and then they fell in love. Uh, I think it was... In the
1: players' lounge after a match? Yeah, so Victoria had actually come to see a match before and David has been so shy that he just like waved from across the room and that was it. And then the next time she came to a match, he was like, oh my God, please tell me it's her. When they were talking in the players' changing room. Like, there's going to be a Spice Girl here. There's some Spice Girls. He was like, please be posh. Maybe I can resuscitate the situation. And then it was... And she says she was a little bit drunk, so it was a bit hazy, but she was like, it was definitely love at first sight. She knew immediately because David was there very quiet and shy and with his family. And she was like, he's a family man. Yeah. I'm very into my family. So she knew immediately that they were like kindred spirits. I loved that. They were Uh, very young. She was 23 and he was 22 when they got engaged. So they got engaged a year after they met. Cripes. And very modern, I thought, in terms of engagement. It's funny, it's like what we've talked about before with how people have gone back recently to these more traditional proposals. They decided it mutually that they were going to get married. That is very nice. Yeah, and then he did do a proposal, but they'd already decided together that they were going to get married. And he did it in a London hotel and they got into their dressing gowns and pop champagne. (gasps)
0: Quite so cute. sweet. Also, and cute is one of his first songs on Desert Island Discs was Ella Fitzgerald Every Time We Say Goodbye. Is that what it's called? It's the lyrics like Every Time We yeah. Say Goodbye. So, at first, I did not associate David Beckham with listening to Ella Fitzgerald, but also oh, that, must, that must be about Victoria.
1: Yeah, I feel like you can just really see that they have like an enduring love and that, yeah. like, with all the scandal and controversy and affair allegations, like, through it all, they've had each other. So,
0: Cathers, one thing I would like to ask your uh, thoughts on is the purple wedding. And also, before we get your thoughts on that, I would like to tell you a fun fact that I have sleuthed.
1: Go on. Which is it's
0: such a boring fact. No, it's interesting, but it's nerdy. So, you know, in the documentary, it says that they sold the their wedding coverage to Hello Magazine for a million pounds. Yeah, And then I figured out how much they made from the sales. So Hello Magazine cost one pound sixty five back in the day and they sold five point five million copies. So they made just over nine million quid. So it was well worth the one so mil for the pics. Well worth
1: the one mil. But can you imagine one ish one weekly issue. I mean I'm sure I would have bought that at the time. <laughs> Do you think? Oh absolutely I there's no way I wouldn't have like not wanted to see those pictures. Also it was a pre-social media era so they weren't like around on the Very internet. Like, if you didn't buy the magazine, you didn't see the pics. But uh, when I was looking
0: at the cover, it's not the heinous purple matching gown. They're wearing white, so I think...
1: Yeah, yeah, they only moved into the purple like later in the evening. She got married right. in a Vera Wang dress. Yeah, because I was going to say they looked It was much- actually quite classic and quite beautiful. It was like considering how jokesly trashy like the whole wedding was. And they were just having fun with it. They were being like unselfaware. Good for them. They were in their early 20s. I was really obsessed with the
0: fact that um, when he blew- he blew one of his early paychecks on a pen...
1: Oh, I did actually love that. I liked the way they did make clear that he is a materialistic person. and like, yeah. Not in a horrible way, but they were like, most footballers at the time were not taking brand opportunities. Whereas David was like, Brill Cream, sign me up. And was like, I want to buy clothes. I like things. I like cars.
0: But he was also being very savvy because he was saying, I know that I won't be able to be a footballer forever. So I want to have a career
1: after this. Do you know what I found really sad? One of the things that actually really tugged at my heart in the documentary was right at the beginning where he's talking about his childhood and school. And he mentions that he like wasn't intelligent at school. So he's like, I wasn't intelligent. Surprise, surprise. And it's just and the the kind of look on his face in that moment. You can just see the pain of being called thick for decades by the public and by the papers and everyone else. And the fact that he's internalized it to that degree really made me sad. Like, this is someone who is clearly still very savvy. Like, yes, okay, he might not have, like, book smarts, but as you say, he had... He engineered his own fate. he had intelligence enough to know that he could make a very, very long-lasting career for himself as a national treasure, whereas most footballers are not well-known to the same degree. You know, the other people playing for Man United at the time, only a handful of them are still household names. Yeah, I think that's them all. Whereas for him to clearly feel that he's not intelligent and how that must make you feel about yourself like every day to be to be acknowledging this kind of like fact yeah that you're thick. Well, I worried about whether that
0: was something, because I'd be interested to know your thoughts on the dad, because he comes across really well at first. And then I think it's episode two. It's suddenly like, actually, the dad was really hard on him. And
1: the mum says he was really hard on him. And then David says he was really hard on him. And it's quite awkward. It was very obvious that the only reason he became a footballer is because it was his dad's dream and was so hard on him. Never told him he was good enough. Would never say, well done, mate, for like scoring a goal or whatever. Which I think, it and asked, I think,
0: and asked for all the game videos to be sent to him. So he's like sitting on like fifteen hundred. Yeah, re- I think his
1: dad was weirdly obsessed with his career, and I think it was very interesting. And you often see this with these incredibly pushy parents. Do you know what I mean? That they like really, really successful people often were pushed into it by their parents, especially when they're very successful, very young, like he was. And also, I think that the program is creating a kind of through line between his dad being hard on him and now his like. Obsessive behaviours, so I think they've been a little bit more careful around the term OCD because he did mention in the past that he'd had OCD and mm. people didn't like it, did they? Because it wasn't they you were can like trivialising it. With the cleaning it. bit of the style. yeah. But actually, he shows inside his wardrobe and he's like colour coded his like hundreds of shirts and no one else does it for him. They make clear that he does it himself. Like David is very, I almost want to say I was going to say like anal about how his things are organised, but then I think I'm actually trivialising. It's difficult because we don't know. He hasn't. Yeah. He's, he's talked about it as like obsessive tidiness and things like that in the past but
0: it's because he must have had like I don't know whether he would have approval over the documentary but like the first one of the first oh yeah it's his
1: documentary can I just say by the way and that was my thing with the football angle as well I was like well it's really obvious that it's going to be so heavy on the football and it's presenting him as one of the football greats and really hamming up his amazing left foot and right foot and the bend it like Beckham like phrase and all of that because it's made by his production company so obviously, right. the narrative is entirely what he wanted
0: because it kind of opens with that quite funny, light-hearted scene about him cleaning his kitchen. So, and Fisher Stevens, director, is like, uh, "It's so clean like, and fastidiously like, obsessively." But Beckham clearly finds it funny, where he would have chopped that out. Like, if he had a complex about his no, no, I think he wanted it to be in there because yeah. he's
1: talked, like I say, he's talked about it a lot in the past, when yeah. he actually was years ago dragged for it because he talked about it specifically with having to have like even numbers of cans in the fridge oh yeah and got in trouble for it so i think he's probably keen to present that side of himself he probably wasn't
0: trivializing it he just didn't want to he just didn't know he just hadn't diagnosed yeah and it was i think
1: quite a while before we had the language in the public eye to really talk about mental health with the with the nuance that we do now yeah he probably just didn't i thought it was really interesting to go back to the red. Card fiasco, 1998 World Cup, as we say, how he was clinically depressed at the time, Victoria says, how much that had a huge impact on his overall. I felt so bad it was for him. awful wasn't it seeing that it's just such a reminder and I'm sorry to say this to all of you honeys listening that are big football fans but just of how toxic and macho football culture has always been and can be like the way that they treated David in 1998 the, the fact that there were effigies burning <gasps> effigies of him I found that yeah. shocking yeah, so, so one,
0: wrong one horrible fan well not
1: fan really but football fan had put up an effigy it was, op- there was effigies there was lots of them and they were burnt an effigy outside a pub With- and it was only brought down once the police went and insisted that the publican take it down and it had a noose round its neck the fact that recently with the world cup with the three young players who lost the penalties who got horrifically abused online and everyone tries to say that it was it was social media it's like well i think that the david effigy thing is an exact example of it's not about social media at all it's about the toxic nature of football fandom a lot of the time yeah totally
0: we have the best news for those of you based in london okay how would you like to go to the best fitness classes in the capital for
1: free yep you heard me right without spending a penny it's all so exciting and it's thanks to our amazing partner yonder which as regular listeners will know is this incredible lifestyle credit card that allows you to earn points for every pound you spend that you can then redeem a selection of lifestyle experiences across the city so from restaurants and bars to shops hotels gyms and more so what's really fun
0: is that the reward partners change each month so loads to choose from. Last month, you could use your points to get a free class at Sweat BXR and some F45 locations, which we both loved. And this month they've partnered with boxing club CoBox, which describes itself as where fight club meets nightclub. And then there's Boom Cycle, which is apparently a party on a bike. Cathers, that sounds like a bit of us. I think we could go one Friday night after work since we haven't been to an actual nightclub in a while. Oh my
1: God, I think we should. And actually it's a fab thing to do for when you want to swap the pub for something just a little bit more wholesome, but still hang out. So I am defo up for that. There are no hoops to jump through when using your points either. Just book online and pay with your Yonder card. Then in the app, you can just use your points to cover the cost of a class. So at the moment I can see on the Boom Cycle website that they have an intro offer of three classes for 30 pounds. I'm gonna book that with my points and not have to pay a single thing. Amazing.
0: Also guys, the point system is so good that the other night I went to 45 German Street, one of my favorite restaurants, and I use my points with my boyfriend to get the entire 175 pound meal for free. Go check the picture of my insane flambéed beef Wellington on our Straight Up Pod Instagram.
1: 45 German Street is one of the fanciest most beautiful restaurants in London mm. do you remember when we had our really cute friendship date there once quite early on in our friendship and we were chatting so much that we were literally the last people to leave and had to be asked to go
0: <laughs> we did it was so fun also guys good to know the £15 monthly Yonder card fee includes comprehensive travel insurance so compared to other credit cards on the market
1: it feels well worth the money thank you so much to our amazing partner Yonder get your first month free and 10,000 points when you join then it's £15 a month thereafter please do make sure you borrow a sponsor T's and C's apply, rep 66.7% APR variable.
0: And quite a few of the players say in the documentary, or even maybe it was Beckham's dad, to be fair, that was like, why do you think that they would have necessarily won the match just because Beckham, if Beckham yeah, had stayed on? They just blamed him.
1: For, and the fact is, England are crap at football. Let's face it, guys. Like, this is what annoys me about England fans in particular. And it was the same with those penalties. Like, you're all delusional. We won once in 1966. Like, get over it and accept the fact that we're not that good national like we're just not so many other countries are way better than us so why is everyone so surprised every fucking world cup when we get kicked out yeah happens every time guys happens every time exactly
0: But I have to say they were blessed with the whole like character arc to go from like the nadir and then the the redemption story. It's like Yes, you couldn't make it out here in nineteen ninety nine and then
1: won it all back for them. But it was really sad. His quote I thought was he said, I don't think I've ever talked about it because I can't. I find it so hard to talk about what I went through because it was so extreme. The whole country hated me. Yes. I mean I guess it's a great opportunity for them to finally
0: like Correct all these misconceptions. Yeah, I think them. there's just
1: been enough distance from everything as well now. Like, they've had such a complicated relationship with the tabloids and the media, whereas now that this was the perfect moment for them to, like, really own the narrative. And also, like, like I said, at the end of the day, it is a sports documentary. It's not even about them, it's not really about Victoria and the kids. Like, it's about David, it's about his sporting career. I was most interested
0: by all the sports stuff. Um, I have to say though I guess yeah I, th- I think it was interesting for me because I've heard from the industry like circles so much about their marriage that would make you think that they were very much only together for brand purposes and I know they actually literally
1: say that in the documentary don't they like oh that's such bullshit that yeah people why say would you be together, together your brand Beckham oh I totally agree with that though in the sense that I think if you were going to stay together for your brand you might do that like for a certain amount of time, but not twenty-five years. And Come they seem so in love. Still, they seem so in love. Like the ending. I was, was so, so sweet. surprised by that. Okay, before we get into their happy ending, yeah, let's go through the absolutely explosive, very tabloid of me to use that word, we Rebecca Lose allegations because them breaking their silence on it, both Victoria and David, in the documentary is the most interesting thing to come out of the documentary and it's what everyone's talking about. Yes.
0: And do you know? But they don't... They Well, I actually thought from all the uh, news stories that they were going to say more about it. I was disappointed with how little... But they've
1: literally never said anything before apart yes, from the one statement at the time that. about absurd yeah. stories. This is the first time they've ever acknowledged it and to me it was absolutely mad. Like, I actually found it... Really shocking because what I took from it was that they didn't deny it and it's obvious that it absolutely happened. They don't try and pretend that it didn't. Okay, so before we get to their happily ever after, which I also loved in the show, there's a really cute final scene with them like dancing in their kitchen and it's adorbs. But before we get there, let's run through exactly what happened with Rebecca Loose. Do you remember the story at the time? Can I ask? No. Do you not? See, I remember it being like literally really the biggest like thing for like a year. 2003. Like it was literally covered in the papers. How old were we? Constantly. So I was 11? I was nine. Yeah. So I, as I say, because I was in particular a huge Beckham yeah. fan, I was noticing all of it. But it was A massive, massive story. Like the papers were going ham for ages. Basically what happened is David had moved to Real Madrid, the football team, and Victoria had stayed behind in the UK in their family home with the two boys, Brooklyn and Romeo. And David had been sold from Man United to Real Madrid. It's detailed in the documentary. And to set him up in Spain his management team had actually hired a young PA by the name of Rebecca Luz, who was the daughter of a diplomat, so I guess like quite kind of well-to-do, and had been living in Spain for a while. And so the idea was that she would be able to kind of show him the ropes. Then in April
0: 2004, infidelity rumours started cropping up after Beckham was spotted leaving a Madrid nightclub with a mystery woman. This was later identified as Rebecca Luz.
1: Yeah, what... Then basically happened is the News of the World, now defunct, ran a story by the journalist Neville Thurbeck all about allegations that were at the time apparently from a close family friend that Rebecca Loose had had an affair with David and then been let go by the Beckham family. And so the story was kind of telling it in retrospect that it happened a year prior. The source, we all now know, was in fact Rebecca Loose herself. It just wasn't yes. presented like that. This is intel that I've sourced elsewhere. It's not in the documentary, obviously. But that story was put together like so fastidiously. So that piece of journalism, fun fact as well at the time, won Neville Furbeck's scoop of the year. They knew it was going to be such a huge story with Bex, like potentially having an affair, like literally golden balls, the country's like sweetheart, that they had to be really militant with fact-checking it. Obviously, they couldn't run it otherwise. So Neville Thurbeck spent, like, weeks with Rebecca Luz out in Madrid. She, reading within the lines of my research, is that she was pretty disgruntled that she'd been let go by the family. Because she was an assistant. Yeah, she was a PA. Just a personal assistant to David. Yeah. As I say, had been hired in part to, like, show him the ropes in Spain. Yeah. Being a fluent Spanish speaker and living there for a long time. Neville Thurbeck wasn't prepared to publish the story without all of the necessary due diligence that we know has to go into these stories. Because David had been texting across years, across several different numbers at the time, obviously that was more normal as well. Uh, They couldn't track the numbers properly. Like it wasn't as easy as it has been to verify. Yeah, They actually weren't going to run the story right before it went to press because they couldn't 100% corroborate that this phone number was David's. They'd been trying to get to call her from the number and things like that. They basically didn't think they were going to be able to corroborate it. Then at the last minute, Neville Thurbeck finds a piece of paper. He and Rebecca together find a piece of paper in Rebecca's belongings that was letter headed from David's management company on it, and had David's handwriting on it, both at the top and then also at the bottom with one of the phone numbers in David's writing.
0: Oh. So they were
1: able to verify that that was him sending these texts, or as they called them at the time. It's really gross. This is what is again. Did each they published own... the texts? Yeah, there was like hundreds of texts, and that's and and Rebecca. Gave them all to News of the World.
0: We were talking about revenge at the beginning.
1: That is the perfect yeah. example
0: of female revenge. And it became a
1: weird, like, mystery almost for the British public to, like, piece together at the time because they published the sexts, but they starred out a lot of the raunchy words. So people were, like, trying to figure out what he was trying to say that he was. Oh, right. Because there were so many of them, it was actually, like, it was gobbledygook just, like, without Asterix, 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 asterisks. And interestingly, Neville Thurbeck had already, prior to this, been working on a David Beckham affair story with an Australian model. By the name of Sarah Marbeck. Mm. So he had flown out to Melbourne to meet her for a few weeks, way before ever going out to Madrid to meet Rebecca Lewes, And she'd claimed that she'd met David at a party in Singapore in 2001. And then they'd gone on to have this affair that included, like, again, steamy texts. Neville Thurbeck couldn't verify this story either for basically the same reasons. They tried to let to for David to ring from the phone number that all the sex were coming from, but it never actually happened. There'd also been a break in communication by this point, because I think it was around the time that Romeo had been born. Yeah. Or maybe Cruz, but they'd had a child. And when this piece of paper, the story was shelved. And then when this piece of paper was found in Rebecca Lou's thing, the phone number that was written there in David's handwriting was the phone number that had sent Sarah Marbeck the messages. So they could then publish that story after, which is why it was such like a media shitstorm because Rebecca Lou's story went live. Then the News of the World ran this secondary story that they'd actually worked on first, but hadn't been able to corroborate. And then there was a third woman who was the daughter of a vicar that had claims, we're thinking the mirror. And Rebecca Lou's, because the piece hadn't been attributed to her originally, rather a tell-all kind of piece from close family friend, she then went and did a huge... Tell all Sky News interview, which is the one that we see all those, as in not in the back of the She did. So she made, they think that she made just shy of 1 million from everything that she did around that time. She made 150,000 for the first piece, the News of the World piece, but then they paid for quite a lot of extra stuff, like the texts and things like that, and then a follow up story. And so I think it was about 350,000. I'm actually surprised. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm surprised it wasn't more. Yeah, yeah well in a way that sounds quite like modest yeah, doesn't it, does. it considering like you say they sold their wedding pics for a million but she definitely made a career out of it like she became a glamour model and she was a reality TV regular she literally was on like a million things she went on to Big Brother that year so it kind of played quite nicely into the Beckhams argument that these were ludicrous claims from people that are trying to make money out of their family yes. so Rebecca Luz did literally look like she was trying to like cash in
0: yes how old is she now? She's 46. Do you want to know what she's doing now? I've I done want to know. Sleeping. I know that I know that she's been commenting on this documentary.
1: Well, she hasn't actually commented anything, but she's like done sort of side comments. Do you know what right. I mean? So it's like she hasn't explicitly said anything. But she's a married mother of two, married to a doctor. She lives in Norway. She's a yoga teacher. She posts all yogi outdoorsy stuff. Yeah. And what she did post in terms of acknowledgement is and this ties in ex- with exactly what we're talking about the story with exactly what we spoke about with the russell brown allegations someone commented underneath her because obviously she's been like attacked by a load of trolls and someone commented if it wasn't true they'd have sued for defamation and she liked that comment and replied to it with prayer hands emoji
0: very so, yucky, i think that says
1: her. yes that says everything that we would need to know but i think where rebecca lose really went so wrong if you want to tell your story to the press then whatever but she made these really weird comments about Victoria and how she never wanted to break up their marriage and she hopes they stay together. Well, then maybe don't like publish like a global like tell-all on yeah. an unfair if you want to do that. And then, and this is literally disgusting. I don't know what hell possessed her to do this. And it's quite interesting when we look back, as we say, on that naughty's culture, as I mentioned earlier as well, with how much the press were interested in Victoria's weight and picking apart whether she was, had an eating disorder... There was a lot of commentary around the time of all this affair stuff that inferred that Victoria was no longer attracted to David because she was too thin. So there was this really gross... He was no longer attracted to her? Yes. Rebecca Lou said, he hated the way she looked. He hated her thin, stick-like body. I mean, not only did you have an affair with her husband, you then say that in a public forum. I mean, okay, I think this is despicable of her to say that, but the, I
0: think the whole blame should be with David for having an affair on, with Oh Rebecca no! on his wife. Because I think, yeah, okay, she's been really horrible, but fucking hell, David, she's on his wife. That's the main yeah. bad guy. Well, it is
1: mad how he can like do no wrong golden balls. Yeah. And apparently his PR machine did literally jump into overdrive at the time. And they obviously pushed loads of negative stories about Rebecca Luz, the mm. sun branded hair, the sleazy senorita. And there was a really big focus, which is interesting as well and shows how far we actually have come, even though we still have far to go. But in our conversations in the public forum, about identity and in particular sexual identity Rebecca Luz was basically branded a harlot because she was bisexual right. and that was done quite a lot at the time like they would use bisexuality as a kind of um scarlet woman marking like what, they would say you're, that you're sexually voracious if you're right, bisexual as you're having sex with both genders. whereas actually it's like well that's not what it means at all no but yeah they, they that's how they tried to discredit Rebecca Luz
0: at god i mean yeah time. it's worked it really did minimize how much blame he got i mean
1: men always get less blame it's always like the other woman is always tarnished isn't she but they were such a strong unit like through it i think and the documentary does touch on that they, they went to that holiday in switzerland like immediately they did this public display of togetherness they this pictures of them frolicking the snow and holding hands right after the allegations broke i guess that's like what dominic west was doing
0: Straight after he got papped with Lily James, him and his wife just like standing outside their home for the paps. Like, we exactly are like that with together. their like, show of
1: togetherness. I think what I found so fascinating though, like I say is that that's why to me, this documentary was actually super interesting. And I feel like it's been the main part of the documentary that everyone's been talking about. They acknowledge it for the first ever time. They break their silence. And you can tell how much it hurt both of them. Yes. You can see how much it took a toll on their relationship, on their family. I
0: got the impression, though, that they were both leaving, leading their own separate romantic lives. So that did used
1: to be a bit of gossip that was yeah. on the like grapevine that they had an open marriage. Yeah, which many celebs do. Yeah, I don't believe that because I actually once met one of their former nannies and okay. grilled her to buggery about all of this, obviously, because <laughs> I have to get an inside track. When was this? Did you meet
0: her? So I went
1: to Sonar Festival in Barcelona in 2019. Funnily enough, it was the year after the last ever ludicrous Beckham cheating allegation, which was like a social media rumour in 2018. It was completely unsubst- unsubstantiated. But if you remember, people are, uh, someone, some rando on Twitter, and then it just spread like wildfire, alleged that David was having an affair with Harper's primary school teacher. Oh, yeah. And had got her pregnant and that they were going to get divorced. Yes, yes. Absolutely ridiculous. And that really was ridiculous. I think the Beckhams actually, that was what, again, one of the first times they went back and did acknowledge something. And I think they literally called it a crock of shit. A crock of yeah. shit. So the year after, I met the nanny in Sonar. She was my friend's friend. The Beckhams have a rotation of full-time nannies, or they did when their kids were younger, because I think most famous people do this. You always need a nanny there. Obviously, the parents are traveling for work a lot and stuff as well, whereas no nanny can literally work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yes. So they have two or three at any one Mm -hmm. time who do like shifts essentially. So she'd been one of them for a couple of years and she was like, I have nothing but amazing things to say about them. They're so strong as a couple. They definitely don't give any indication of some kind of either fake relationship or open relationship. She was like, you know, obviously I don't know as their nanny what goes on when it's literally just the two of them, but she was like, in terms of me literally living in their home and being around their yeah. children and stuff, they share a bedroom, they seem com- really in love, they put on like a lovely display of a very happy mum and dad in front of the kids and everyone that works for them. Like, That's I, interesting. Yeah, she was like, I just think that's complete rubbish. And I think that
0: said, you can have, just because you're in an open relationship doesn't mean that you aren't really still in love with your like primary relationship and don't live with them. Like,
1: No, but what was interesting about the open relationship thing was that the narrative was always that dis- Victoria was distraught by any allegations it was never like that she was cool with it like she even mentions in that book that i touched on earlier learning to fly her seminal 2001 autobiography yeah that she there were cheating allegations that victor that david had snogged someone prior to them even getting married when she was pregnant with brooklyn and she talks in the book then about how she punched him <gasps> she was so good for her. Yeah. no sorry let's not normalize no, you shouldn't domestic abuse yes. of any kind
0: however um when i was in magazines I definitely heard from a stylist guys if you ever sit next to a stylist at dinner or meet them at an event they have all the secrets but I remember a stylist was telling me that Victoria was happily having her own little side piece
1: yeah so I think I'd heard that as well and then asked the nanny about it and she was like I really don't think that's true and she said that obviously the papers and everyone else just want to create these stories so she'd even been photographed she'd been with the family in LA and her and David had gone to like a spin class like a Barry's boot camp class and suddenly she was pictured as like a mystery blonde that was with David and she's like I am than the nanny. enough with this narrative guys she said the only criticism she had whatsoever of them she said victoria allegedly was perhaps because of her own trauma yes quite tough on harper in terms of eating oh, and weight God. which was obviously not ideal consider harper was like six or seven a
0: classic with mothers who have had eating disorders yeah
1: and so Poor little Harper was like on a diet but didn't even know she was on a diet, you know, that kind of thing. Oh no,
0: that breaks my heart. Yeah, it's quite sad, isn't it? Yeah, oh god, but also, you can so see why Victoria would like repeat that
1: pattern with her daughter having had her weight be the topic of public conversation for her entire adult life.
0: Also, not that this is excusing it at all. No, I'm not
1: excusing it by the way, I think that's very probably, but I can see in in her have some kind of empathy for why the hell she might be doing that to her child, yes,
0: and to. To expand on that, I actually could imagine that she would be so worried of Harper ever feeling insecure about her body that she's kind of trying to help her. It might have
1: been like a protection thing. Exactly, a very unhealthy way to protect your child. I mean, it's interesting in terms of public narratives as well, can I just say, when they go back to that whole piece when Victoria didn't go to Spain with David, which essentially is why the public were like, well, it's fair enough that he had an affair like the narrative was so misogynistic and anti-women like firstly they said that victoria had abandoned david it's like well she's still living in the family home and she's got her own entire career and they have two kids that are in school like she hasn't really abandoned him she just didn't follow him to spain
0: mm. i did find it interesting when i think it's fisher stevens is like did you not think that telling david that you were pregnant the day before his massive match was yeah. not maybe like a bit selfish but then she was like no I wasn't really thinking about that and they were really
1: happy and actually like such a difficult one isn't
0: it I know I felt really torn yeah fun fact for you or maybe you already know as a Beckham stan his Spanish
1: is very good yes I think he had to work on it when he was there
0: because on his desert island discs he speaks Spanish in a very good accent and actually I don't think he's stupid at all
1: well that's why I feel so sorry for him that he's clearly like internalized that
0: message hope his dad didn't make him feel stupid but then also this is the other thing i will say is that in the documentary i think fisher stevens has been quite selective with showing this like narrative about his dad being a hard taskmaster and very selective with the quotes he's shown from the mum and david backing this up because I was like, oh God, David has like given some really quite awkward quotes about his dad being clearly awful to Yeah, me. I think they've done the cutaways in quite a clever way. Yeah, but then I was listening to the Dev- Desert Island Discs and he's like, I'm so appreciative of my dad having been like that. Like, I, Yeah, because it made him it the made success him be- that he is. But I think it's
1: clearly like damaged him a bit as well. It is, say. but I
0: think they could have maybe included a bit of a, but you know, he wasn't a bad man. Because then you're like, oh God, was he like a terrible father? Which, you know.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think they're definitely amazing parents as well. That's what everyone loves about David so much, isn't it? He's held up as like the most iconic family man in the world, which is why everyone was so shocked and like devastated that he might have cheated and why even if they thought that he did, they were like, well, he was lonely. Well, this happened. And he definitely lent into that narrative when they were quoted. So let's read their quotes actually now for anyone that hasn't seen the documentary. Because yes. um, he you literally read the quotes. says, and most importantly, I was away from my family.
0: I mean, look, I have to say, I am surprised that... I mean, as I watched it with my mum the first episode, and she was like, of course he's going to cheat on Victoria. He's a footballer and he's like 23. Like, she was completely unshocked by it. Not that that makes it okay. But I do think, like, I'm surprised that most celebrities don't cheat on their partners. I think most celebrities do cheat on their partners, generally. I'd be surprised if they didn't. Yeah, Yeah, because footballers
1: all have, like, these God complexes and stuff as well.
0: I'm sorry, but if the most beautiful men in the world were throwing themselves at me when I was 25 on a regular basis... I can't
1: say that I would be, you know, an exemplar. No. So they're interviewed separately about it as well, which I like that they did it that way rather than trying to ask them together and have them like holding hands while they're talking about it or something. But he said it was the first time that me and Victoria had been put under that kind of pressure in our marriage. And he looks like visibly upset, I think, doesn't he? They both look visibly upset when they're talking about it. Um, and it's kind of obvious David's, like, struggled to convey his feelings. But he says, when I first moved to Spain, it was difficult because I, I'd been part of a club and a family for my whole career from the age of 15 until I was 27 years old. I get sold overnight. The next minute, I'm in a city. I don't speak the language. More importantly, I didn't have my family. And then when he talks about the furore that surrounded it and how hard that period was for them, like the constant media circus, he said, every time we woke up, we felt there was something else. And, you know, we felt... I think we both felt at the time that we were not losing each other, but drowning. And Stevens asks David, How do you think you guys survived that? And he says, I don't know, like looking tearful. I don't know how we got through it, all honesty. Victoria's everything to me. To see her hurt was incredibly difficult, but we're fighters. And at that time we needed to fight for each other. We needed to fight for our family, and what we had was worth fighting for. But ultimately, it's our private life. I mean, that says, yes, I had an affair. And yes, this is all I'll be saying on it, isn't yes. it? Yes, <laughs> yes, and yes, I have a private life, but I will also
0: sell my intimate wedding ceremony for a million pounds to Hello Magazine. Exactly. I mean, it's so, I, I have. I saw that those clips online and everyone is making fun of how, like, it's always the cheating man that does the,
1: we had to fight. Yes, we and he's like, I don't know how we got it. through it. And it's like, you got through it because Victoria forgave you. Yes, Like, yeah. <laughs> she is the reason that you got through that because she put a fucking brave face on. You know what she did as well? How mad is this? She had to go on really soon after this all happened, go on to a Saturday night TV show with Ant and Dec. It was her that had to basically face it publicly before he did. And she had to make some kind of weird commentary about how like they were actually very happy in their marriage, but they weren't trying for any more children. They were just practicing. Like, so mentioning... As like having to re- having sex? Yes, so, like, as in trying to kind of convey the idea that their sex life is great oh and fun and they're all happy God. and he's not playing away and doesn't need to. I saw some How mortifying. That is mortifying.
0: I also saw a really awful clip of
1: Victoria being on a talk show, getting a pair of scales out for her to weigh herself. Yeah, like that's so fucked up. That's what I mean about the normalization of her yeah. clearly very difficult relationship with her body and her weight. Like, it is, they are a very interesting test case in terms of celebrity journalism. Aren't yes. They? Just to see how and and how culture, how pop culture, how the mood has changed, how certain dominant narratives have changed in the past 20 years. I
0: found the two um, twin paps talking very interesting. Oh, Um, yeah. um, But I did wish there had been
1: more like tabloid journalists interviewed. So Victoria said her quotes were, I can't even begin to tell you how hard it was and how it affected me. He asks, as in Fisher Stevens, was it the most difficult time in your marriage? And she responds, 100%. It was the hardest period of ours because we felt like the world was against us. And here's the thing. We were against each other, if I'm being completely honest. Up until Madrid, sometimes it felt like us against everybody else, but we were together. We were connected. We had each other. But then when we were in Spain, it didn't really feel like we had each other either. And that's sad. And you can see that she's like welling up when she's saying that. Oh, bless
0: her. And last... Closing comments on the
1: documentary, I was surprised to see that it got basically five-star reviews across the board. I was quite surprised about that. I mean, I did really enjoy it, as I say, but I don't know if I thought it was like the most powerful example of filmmaking I've ever seen. No, considering
0: it's not like they say anything that changes really what people already know. I mean, there are no revelations
1: and it's quite carefully PR'd. Yes, like the only revelations are them actually breaking their silence on the affair and hinting that it did happen. And even then, it's not like... Yes, I did,
0: and yes, it was Rebecca. Le-
1: you know. Oh my God! You know what we need to talk about, though. As a quick side note, what? which was not touched upon in the documentary, but quite funny, and we must remind listeners of this. Do you remember the furore around his knighthood when yes. his leaked emails showed him to be not quite the golden bollocks not again? That he's charmingly curated. So, in 2017, football leaks unveiled alleged leaked emails in which Beckham as in David obviously told his longtime PR man Simon Oliveira that everything is above board with his taxes because he'd previously been not allowed to be considered for an honours because he'd had some dodgy tax stuff going on and that creates a red flag and therefore you can't be considered he'd sorted all of that out H&Re- HM revenue and customs were all fine with him he was obviously very much hoping for a knighthood Which he probably should have got for his services to the fashion industry. Yeah, well, sort your taxes out then, mate. Pay them properly. Sorry. Why should you get a knighthood if you can't even pay taxes Sorry, no, that's true. You shouldn't be honoured by the state if you're literally evading contributions to the public purse. But he jokes at the time, or allegedly, because, yeah, I'll tell you what they said about these emails after. He made his feelings clear after being left off the 2014 honours list, branding the system a fucking joke. It was also claimed that Beckham wrote, I expected nothing less. It's a disgrace, to be honest. And if I was an American, I would have got something like this 10 years ago. At the time, David Beckham's representative insisted the emails had been doctored. Speaking to the Daily Mail via the mirror, they said, this story is based on outdated material taken out of context from hacked and doctored private emails from a third-party server and gives a deliberately inaccurate picture. But I'm like... (sighs) But then when you I know, think he definitely said it, it's a disgrace. And if I'm honest, America would have given me this 10 years ago. I mean, they ago, probably would have. Throwing his toys out the front But then again, like, oh, Margaret Thatcher did give a bloody knighthood to Jimmy Savile.
0: <laughs> so oh, wow. yes. So uh, I feel like there's probably quite a lot of jokes on the, on the honours list that shouldn't yeah. be there. But um, so yes. we also heard through the grapevine in industry circles that David was all could
1: also to- throw his toys out the pram for other poor minor things also yeah his PR team are obviously one of the most powerful in the entire world the Beckham PR machine is like in- unparalleled I'd say
0: yes when I read that interview with him with the Telegraph the writer was like there were like four assistants like micromanaging his like
1: every move just in that just yeah around him I remember at a very well-known men's magazine that we were at, which is very much aligned with David Beckham. And you would think David Beckham would be the perfect cover star. And he has literally done like six covers. But there was a period of time in which he wouldn't do any covers because he was so fucked off that a cover previously had run without final approval on the picture that he didn't do anything yes. for like years and years and years. It's probably why you only got that little, little minuscule mm-hmm. mouse of a interview for like yeah. 15 minutes around hey club and then when he did eventually then do a, he got a lifetime achievement award and they did this huge story around it and it was all kind of he was welcomed back into the fold but it was definitely micromanaged by his team like every step of the way
0: i even wondered when i was listening to his desert island discs do you think his team chose the songs for him
1: oh totally if you just said he chose Ella fitzgerald do you think david chose that i'm gonna i'm gonna guess not
0: yeah, and then he like chose like a Manchester like sorry, air song from like a Manchester rocker because that was like tied in with his obviously like Man U days
1: and that yes. has the end
0: and it's like you've clearly also chosen that for that era in your life.
1: Okay, one of the final things that I would like to discuss with you, most importantly of all, was, yes, did you get a good old look inside their house? That was my favourite thing about the documentary. I know, and it made me really want to find out what coffee machine he had. Well, I don't know, but their house is literally. Soho Farmhouse isn't it? apparently it was actually modelled on Soho Farm, but it's also around the corner. It's around the corner. And aren't yes, they having be, loads of planning issues so they keep
0: wanting to build all this stuff and everyone, all the locals are like, stop.
1: Yeah, their converted barn is thought to be worth about 12 million, as we say. Literally their own Soho Farmhouse. Like, I loved snooping at all the decor because that's Remember when, when we filmed. drove
0: past and we were trying, there's like a massive wall and we couldn't figure out. Yes, it's not, sadly. No, I've, it's I've gone not. and snooped
1: behind there to have check. Have you? Yeah. And, <laughs> you psychopath. I know. And their London house, which is in Holland Park, is thought to be worth 31. million pounds Christ but it is absolutely (laughs) wild like did you notice their barbecue tent no I didn't oh my god the barbecue tent is that in the last episode I'm gonna show you a picture they have an indoor kitchen an outdoor kitchen and then also a 50,000 pound barbecue tent which is from pal Guy Ritchie's brand wild kitchen And it's like a double tent, which boasts a 12-seat table and a barbecue alongside a huge grill. I'm going to show you a picture of it. Why is that necessary? I'm not joking. Their barbecue tent is literally bigger than my flat.
0: Well, that doesn't surprise me. Not because you have a small flat, but because (laughs) because celebrities are so ridiculous. It's not even nice.
1: Sorry. Am I meant to find that nice?
0: Well, I think you're just
1: meant to find it quite impressive that they have that in their garden alongside their other two kitchens. It is
0: impressive, but I was imagining something a bit more...
1: um, aesthetic i think that's pretty aesthetic it's got like the massive copper grill it's I, meant to be a safari tent right vibe. i see as david has written here it's a thing of beauty
0: no do you know what it does look nicer in the in an outdoor pick i've just seen i mean what do you need a barbecue tent for just having loads of like barbecue parties with them. but do, do they even have that many friends so they
1: it finishes with them having this meal in the barbecue tent with the kids around them oh, and they're kind it? of pitting david again as this family man as this home cook who loves nothing more than a good old whipping steak. something up for his family like that's definitely the vibe bless david's heart he's just trying to do the right thing no, isn't he the, his whole like public persona is just so expertly crafted that i'm like love him national treasure and you, none of none of the allegations, which I believe are absolutely true, phase me. I yes, still,
0: I really noticed that because as someone who isn't particularly interested in Beckham beyond like what he's like as, as a pop cultural phenomenon, I very much hate him for cheating on Victoria yeah. and
1: don't mind so much Rebecca Lewis kind of doing what she has to do to get her bag. I mean, but what Rebecca Lewis did is destroy like Victoria's life. Do you know what I mean? Like I know Victor, I know David shouldn't have done it. I'm not trying to blame the other. Yes, woman. no, the comments that she did about Victoria. Yeah, you don't comment on her weight and say the reason that David's sleeping with me. But then
0: again, if she's part of a culture where people are commenting on Victoria's weight all the time, it excuses it. But in normal, like like she probably didn't even think it was that wild at the time because she's seeing it on the front page of hello and whatever all the time. You know, I think people didn't realize not that that is excusable, but she probably had no idea how terrible it was. Yeah. Because everyone else is doing it. And they were, they were genuinely all doing it.
1: It's a really difficult one. Like we say, the the public landscape has changed so much, but I just thought they seemed so content and happy. They're dancing together in the... Outdoor kitchen tent. And then there's this really cute little moment where they're talking about like Victoria's saying how kind of content they are. And she's like, you know, it just gets the point in life, I think, where you just want to like pass the baton on to your kids. And David's like, Uh, well, no, not yet, actually. I don't think I'm ready. Like, he's like, Absolutely not. When she says it, like oh. you can tell that he is so not ready to pass the baton on. Like, he absolutely still wants to be the celebrity of the family, which is in a way, my case in point for why the documentary has been made, I think. yeah, he just wants to be relevant. They still want to be celebrities. He wants to be recognised as the, the national hero he thinks he is. And I think that's why the angle of the documentary was very much about him as a footballer, not him as a cultural icon. Because he yes. wants the narrative to be he was this incredible footballer. And I will say- Which oddly, he was. Which he was, absolutely. He was a hugely successful, talented, incredible footballer, but- Not the best. I think, yeah, I think the documentary made, the documentary literally pits him against like the all-time greats. Messi. Yeah, or like Ronaldo or like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think maybe that's a bit of a stretch. Like Alex Ferguson has, when he's been asked about his all-time five players, like David is not in there.
0: Yes. Um, I thought- What a little horrible, snide, shit um, hoddle was!
1: Oh, he came across really badly, didn't he? So badly. I didn't really know anything about him until then. But I liked Victoria's Secret shade, or like not Secret, but not even a man.
0: Yeah, (laughs) but But a grown up. Yes, an (laughs) older. She's like an older person. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, no, let's not end on horrible hoddle. So,
1: all in all, you agree that Victoria is the person that comes off the best from this documentary. Well, I, Funnily I enough, like, considering she's not the subject. <laughs> no, yeah. No, I think they both come across really well. Honestly, yeah. my heart
0: has warmed to both sides. So ourselves. you don't
1: hate him. No, I no,
0: sorry, that was a strong reaction. I just get really annoyed when the woman is always gets the flack when it's Oh, like, it is so
1: annoying. Yeah, when yeah. we look back at the entire narrative and we're like, how we were all convinced that, you know, Victoria's this like po faced. No, sorry, I meant Rebecca lose.
0: Oh God. Okay. I don't yes. I sound, I I sound like I'm Rebecca Loser's like biggest fan. I know you Rebecca's like, no, sorry. I am actually Rebecca Loser's PR <laughs> and I am secretly <laughs> infiltrating the podcast. <laughs> She'd probably be paying me quite well. She'd probably be quite pleased. Sorry, no, she's You know, but uh, I know I get upset when the the man does all this guff about being a family man that was just
1: lonely when it's like you could have just not cheated on your wife. Oh, totally. I absolutely agree with you. But I think that we were all complicit. That's what I think is really interesting about. I agree. The documentary and the way it makes you rethink that. We all have treated David as golden balls, like the lovely family man that could do no wrong and poor David. And oh, well, even if he did stray, it's. You know, we've been so empathetic to him so lenient. and so judgmental of her. Yes. over the years no
0: you're right i think i've always thought david beckham was quite nice um you know he always comes across he just quite has well. that reputation
1: like doesn't he publicly whereas but- you're
0: right victoria for me was a massive stuck-up cow and that has been radically changed by this documentary so you're right i yes. think for me you kathleen looks so
1: happy that i've been so I'm nice about grinning. her. Victoria, you're such a freak to be fair i was completely disinterested for at least 20 years and it's only in recent times that my love has been reignited it stoked the the flames. yes, I didn't think about them for a long time, really, but fine no, you're right, you I'm- know oh my god some of those outfits as well I got I was going through a right rabbit hole of all of their most amazing looks I used to she love that great. matching white look that they did you know oh, yes. a, with the diamantes that she wore around the top that had it was like a corset top I loved her hair I thought her hair looked amazing when she had all those blonde highlights in it it was long or um, it was no short the crops. short the
0: little short brunette crop Where she and that's why she looks so similar now I don't like her with long hair actually I think her face is so beautifully oh I liked her with
1: long hair I thought she looked quite more harsh with the short hair
0: um, yes but I think she has such a small petite face that I think the long hair could drown it I loved her song with Dane Bowers do you remember that no how did it go go on give us a whirl it was
1: true steppers you're out of your mind gonna make yourself so crazy baby out of my mind I mean I haven't looked at the lyrics so I could be getting that completely wrong.
0: Something tells me that maybe you've got it completely right, considering your
1: fervent <laughs> fandom throughout this. Um, um, would I buy something Victoria Beckham? Hell yeah! If I could afford it, I would. I would love to have a piece of Victoria Beckham. I do like her pencil skirts. Oh, and that white suit that she wore on the red carpet to the Netflix premiere—yes, gorgeous. I've Stunning. seen Molly May wearing that exact suit, and she looked great in it. Do as you well. think she has an inclusive um, line? Like, oh, would God knows? I wouldn't be surprised if she didn't, to be honest. But do you mean when you say inclusive do you mean size-wise or price-wise size-wise sorry sorry. yeah Uh, I would doubt it but I could be wrong it's huge as well you know she started with just literally one employee and they had 400 dresses like when they launched like literally 400 items to sell across stores like uh you know department stores and now it's literally like huge I think Victoria Beckham Beauty is the most successful part of the business It's done really well. I don't have any of it, but I've heard great things about the the eyeliner, the eyeshadow. Really? Yeah. And generally, she's so well respected in the fashion industry. She's a bit of a Kim K like that. Like she's gone from really trashy to like the upper echelons of the fashion elite.
0: Yeah.
1: Anna Wintel's definitely a big fan of the Beckhams. Is she? Oh, she loves them. Do you remember their really cute like family cover that they did that time? Yes. And also... It was like 2018,
0: 2019. I have told this story on the podcast before, but remember I was at a Vogue shoot with Brooklyn (gasps) yes oh bless his heart and um bless him he was not very um verbose well he also didn't have a great memory Um. because he couldn't remember the things he was meant to say for the video and I had to hold up cue cards and I'm not sure I can say much more without sounding like a catty bitch well you said what the cue cards said on them I still remember it to this day because I kept being like, I kept looking at them being like, how,
1: why do yes, you so
0: honey?" sorry, it was like, it was like, it's like Instagram can be fun, but don't forget to look up from time to time. It was like something to do with like, it was like an Instagram activation with like a camera. Of course, this was the start of his like photography days. And it was like using, it was, yeah, I,
1: it was something to do with that. And um, poor pet. I um, remember you saying that they, you had to hold up ones that were literally like, hi, I'm Brooklyn Beckham and I'm here with those. Yeah. Like and the literal opening line. And then he kept being like, I've got it, it, I've got it, it, I've got it, I've got it. And then he didn't have it,
0: so I'd have to like give him the cue card again.
1: Oh, that's him. Well, he's he's a sweet
0: pet. He seemed nice, he seemed completely harmless and nice. Did you see there was some
1: slight kickback from his wife, Nicola Anne Peltz's posts, or Peltz Beckham, I should say. Her post from the premiere was like this weird, really very raunchy picture of her in Brooklyn from like the hotel room or something before. It was an odd post. It was a gallery and David wasn't even featured till like the fourth image. Oh
0: my god. It was very raunchy
1: to celebrate your father in law. <laughs>
0: But maybe she hates him. She hates Victoria, doesn't she? Guys, if you don't know the behind-the-scenes beef of yes. Nicola Peltz's wedding, Kathleen, as you can now well imagine, was very up-to-date
1: on the events and took us through a... a we have a whole episode we have on the wedding episode. fallout and exactly what happened and why... I think it's why? called Nicola Peltz's explosive... The epic wedding re- oh, fallout. Oh, that's it it is. epic wedding yeah. fallout. And we go through exactly, like the whole timeline what happened why Nicola's billionaire father is now suing the wedding planners why Victoria was so upset how the two families basically had competing ideas when it came to this wedding it's all it's all very good fun isn't it Han? Okay, I'm looking...
0: Yes, it is. Sorry, I got distracted because I'm looking at the raunchy snap
1: where he's kissing her neck. Yes, it's just a slightly odd picture to congratulate your father-in-law on his documentary (laughs) with, isn't it? It (laughs) says, last night was
0: incredible. Congratulations, David Beckham. But maybe she meant incredible in a different way.
1: Yes.
0: Um, Gosh. And then the second picture is her just in her bathroom also looking quite... yeah you know seductive seductive she's got her leg up on the sink you know <laughs> actually that is quite a low sink or a very high leg I, I can't thought it tell. might be a Day. it could be a day, yeah yes yes <laughs> that would make sense oh my god and then the third picture is him just clutching her bare arm yeah so it is I mean, <laughs> an interesting <laughs> <And the> joy <laughs> then the fourth. oh my god and there's a plate of like baked beans on the bed They've clearly had a meal and then just take... Sorry, guys, you have to go look at it. This is hilarious. Yes. Um, there's Brooklyn looking absolutely comatose in a corner. <laughs> he does. <laughs> and her plate of old grub on the, on the bed. He's clearly eaten it and just conked out inside. and <laughs> side. She's done a photo shoot with the assistant. Yes. Yeah, who's taking those pictures? God, I want to do a whole episode on this post.
1: Yeah. Anyway, right. Since we have now we been will. recording... We'll be back at some it. other point with another Beckham special, let's what? face it. Yeah, we probably will. There's actually so much we didn't even get into. We didn't get into some of the other cheating allegations. He was once... There was a former prostitute that alleged that he paid for sex with her like five times across London and New York like there are there was, oh my god there was a lot
0: okay yeah. guys if you want more from Kathleen <laughs> the Beckham Oracle let us know because currently we have been recording for one hour and 50 minutes stop remember please okay if you're listening to that, well obviously you're listening to this please <laughs> get your phone out right now and press follow on Spotify and then please give us a rating on Spotify or Apple oh my god please we'll it- love you forever if you do it helps so much Yes, you absolutely must. Please message us at Straight Up Pod on Instagram.
1: I will see you next time. Bye.